0: Hello and welcome. You're listening to Resiliency, a podcast that takes an inside look at enhancing the vitality and resilience of field workers. From experts in member care to frontline field workers, our guests will bring you their experience, their lessons learned, and always something practical you can take away and use to increase your resiliency in cross-cultural life and ministry. Co-hosts Silas West and Steve Finley are just one part of an ever-growing and strengthening net of member care in the Antioch movement. They want to see Matthew twenty four fourteen happen and do everything they can to help field workers have the kind of resilience that enables them to make it for the long haul.
1: All right, welcome to resiliency. We are so thankful today to have our friend Michelle with us. You know, uh, when Silas and I said, let's do this resiliency podcast, we said, let's talk to people who have shown themselves to be resilient by serving at least a decade on the field or more. Um, as one of the type of audience, the others being professionals and experts in this area of member care and things related to it. And today, we are blessed, Michelle, to have you with us on Resiliency. Rather than me saying anything about your story and where you uh, have served and for how long, why don't you tell us a little of your story, who you are and and, uh, your story, what compelled you to go to the region of the world where you served for so long?
0: Thank you for having me on today. I served in north africa mostly and a little bit in the middle east i started uh, living overseas in 2001 right before 9-11 happened and spent um spent 12 years in one nation and then moved around a bit to a few other nations and ended up in a volatile north african country for my final four to five years overseas and then i've just moved back to the u.s um in the last six months i i always had a heart for the nations and thought i would end up overseas somewhere and in the 90s i was working um, in the u.s in a social worker-ish kind of role and was going to highland which is um, a church here in waco that antioch was planted out of and praying for the nations and really open to whatever God might speak. And then one day I was driving and there was a news report on the radio about this nation in Northeast Africa and the war conditions there. And I'd never heard of this nation. And I didn't even know that it was on the continent of Africa. They didn't mention that part in the report. And, but it's like an arrow just struck my heart at that moment. And I, I mean, I almost had to pull over on the side of the road. I felt such a rush of emotion about what I was hearing and a desire to know more and to pray for this nation. So I ran home and I got out my Operation World book and looked up this nation to find out where it was and what I could learn about it and saw that it was in um, Africa and that just started a journey of praying for that country. I didn't even have a passport at this point in my life. I need to say that part. But within a few months, I gave my mother a printout of information about this country and said, hey, I just want you to read about this place because I'm going to go there at some point. And yeah, I would I would say God just really captured my heart for that nation. And that was a gateway for me to... God really giving me a heart for the Muslim world and for uh, reaching Muslims. And it, that has existed until today.
1: Well, you just said, Michelle, I printed out some information about this country, handed it to my mom and said, I'm going to go there someday. I want to know what your mom's response was <laughs> to that from a 20-something-year-old.
0: Yeah, I was in my mid-20s. And like I said, I did not even have a passport. I had never traveled outside of North America you know, my mom, she knows me. And so she knows that that wasn't completely out of character for me. Yeah. Um, but I also think she was like, okay, um, we're not the kind of family that just travels to Africa. So <laughs> we'll see. So yeah, at first she didn't think a lot about it, but I did. Um, I can also say that I, after I had gone over once, um, to this country, which I I did um, about a year after God first spoke to me about the country. And then I made a decision that I'm going to move there and I chose Mother's Day to inform my mother of Mm. that. And I wouldn't recommend that. Um, Mm. Maybe not Mother's Day to give your mom that news.
1: Yeah. That sounds like a proverbial bomb being dropped on mom, but uh, I think it all worked out. I'm sitting here doing my calculations and, um, you know, realizing that, that you you spent not half, but close to half your life living in, in these nations in North Africa and the Middle East that, that you're referring to, one of them, that one in Northeast Africa being the longest. Tell us about your characteristics of sort of resiliency even before you went uh, overseas.
0: I think one of the big things was, and and my parents instilled this in me, I, I was always and am today open to adventure and open to surprise, um, open to life not happening in a planned and orderly way and always looking for what I could appreciate in whatever situation was going on and in the unique things of others or of setting or place happening around me. There was just an appreci- appreciation for that, that my parents instilled in me. And so to say that I was going to go do something that was completely different than anything that I'd done before, wasn't so surprising to my mom, because I always had this openness for doing new things and taking on new challenges. And I was also a risk taker. I usually that that risk taking stayed within um, some healthy realms like I didn't take necessarily risks that would have been um, dangerous or put me in in positions where I could get really hurt or it could have long lasting effects on, you know, my educational life or whatever. But but I liked to to be challenged and I liked to take risks. Um, and I do think that that is an important component of resiliency yeah. the, and the flexibility and the adaptability that come with that. And then another part of my, my character, and I would say that this definitely served me well in terms of resiliency, is that I'm a learner and I, I really love to learn. I view learning as fun and as part of exploration and part of adventure. And I think if, you're, if, you're, if you never think you've got it all figured out, but you're always willing to learn more about yourself or about a situation, about a culture, if you're willing to adapt your, your ideas and, and look at things from a new perspective, that can really serve you well too. And so mm. that too is a trait that my father passed down to me that I feel really, really grateful for.
1: So you've mentioned the words of volatility as well as war already in where you've served in North Africa. What, what about fear, Michelle?
0: Yeah. You know, i um, on my second trip to the f- the northeast african country where i lived first i i I went twice before i moved overseas and on the second trip there some event happened while we were there we were staying in a hotel we weren't super connected to a lot of people who were there so in some ways we felt a little like like we didn't have the, I felt like we didn't have the support system that would have made me feel safer. And and an an event happened on a national level. Um, I can't actually remember exactly what it was, but I do remember that we were sitting in the hotel watching CNN and it was showing um, pictures of things happening in the streets that I thought, oh God, please don't let my mom be watching television right now. And at the same time, I was thinking, I think this might not be accurate. Like this might be old footage because I am, my hotel is not far from those streets and that is not happening, (laughs) Um, which is that in in itself taught me a lot about um, how I, how I look at what happens on what's, you know, what's put on the news. Maybe sometimes it's not as fully reflective of what's happening on the ground as you might think, but, but there was a situation happening and, it stirred up a lot of fear in me about how people might respond to us as Americans if we were to go out, and I had some terrible nightmares—some of the worst of my life. I'll tell two things about the fear. One um, thing that helped me while I was there, and then another thing um, when I returned. So, while while we were there, in the midst of the nightmares. I really had to lean hard on my team that I was there with. I, I was sharing a hotel room with two other women and I had to lean on them to like, you know, to pray. And and, and I knew like, okay, I'm keeping them from getting good sleep. And that felt like a, like a burden to do that. But like, it was this moment of realizing I need other people. If I'm going to live here and do this, I cannot do it on my own. Like there are times when emotionally or I might get sick physically or something might be going on where I'm going to be completely dependent on my team members to care for me and to help me get through a situation. And I was a pretty independent person. So that was a big thing for me to realize I, I can't I can't make it through this fear on my own and I am so terrified that it's immobilizing and I need to reach out for help and they they set up for hours two or three nights in a row when I was having such bad nightmares interceding for me and um, and just being present with me in that space in the middle of the night and that that was really powerful to learn in the fear reach out, tell people seek help from others and that learning transferred to many other situations and i would say one of my one of my number one takeaways and number one things for for making it for the long haul is to be vulnerable and transparent and ask for help and not wait too long to do that but then when i got home i really had to wrestle with do i want to go back and live in that country like at that point I was on a team and we were moving in the direction of moving there. Um, the trip had been to kind of look at housing and language options and visa options. And, and we were moving that direction, but I had to wrestle with, can I handle that? And do I want to put myself in that situation? Um, and for me, really, it was a, a great point of the The romance or the idea of how exciting this might be has kind of gone, mm-hmm. and the reality of some of the hardships that I'm going to face in living there and some of the risk of living there had set in, and it drove me to a newer place, a, a newer depth of wrestling through with God what what I thought he was saying and and where was my faith in following him to do that. Um, and I felt like he spoke some really clear things in that time of uh, about his character, about his, his presence with me. Um, no promises of safety, but promises of presence wow. um, and promises about who he was and his character. I, I linked that to something that Charles Davis had been teaching in our training school about the character of God that. It's like a shirt, and if you're um, if you're starting to button your shirt, and that first button you don't button it right, you put it in the wrong hole buttonhole, then um, then none of the rest of the shirt can be buttoned correctly. And he always said, like the character of God is like that: that we've got to get that one right first, or the rest doesn't align. And I I really made a decision: I'm going to believe that God's character is good. Um, no matter what I see or what happens, I'm I'm resting. I'm putting a stake in the ground that he is good and, um, and that he's for me and that he is with me. And that carried me and still carries me to this day, that stake in the ground about his character. And then mm-hmm. the other thing was I wrote things down in that time as I was wrestling I wrote down promises, I wrote down words, things that he was saying, and I learned a valuable lesson at that moment and in the next year about writing things down, because in the next year when there were a few things that came up while I was living overseas where I could doubt, I could go back and read what I'd written down, like, did God really say or, you know... um, Am I really supposed to be here? Those sorts of questions, you know, when I felt discouraged, I could go back and read what I had written and I think that's so important to write down the lessons, to write down the words and to keep going back to them and and then along with that to keep recounting, recounting what God has done, recounting what God has said, recounting the instances where you clearly saw his goodness or you clearly saw his provision. I, in the first couple of years, I read this book by Piper, John Piper, and I'm going to paraphrase the quote because I don't remember it exactly, but basically it was, never doubt in the darkness what God has spoken in the light. Mm-hmm. And I just took that to heart. Like, I'm going to write down the things that he's speaking in the light, and I'm, I'm going to keep reminding myself in the times of darkness to not doubt what he spoke in the light. And in those times of darkness, just go back and read what he spoke in the light. So yeah, I, just one other thing. My second year in um, in that country, I went through a period of really deep depression and depression has been um, a part of my story um, since, since college. Um, and at times I cycle through some pretty intense crippling depression and one of those times happened in my second year um overseas and really all of these things that I'm I've been saying kind of took me through that time I I I leaned on my team I I called out for help I was transparent um we set up a time where for for weeks um I would have a daily session with my roommates just kind of downloading. These are the kinds of thoughts that are going through my mind. And that, I mean, that took a lot of courage to sure. to let them see the emotional, mental stuff going on inside that wasn't very pretty. But that leaning on them and finding them to be a safe place, um, it just more instilled in me that the value of being transparent and vulnerable and asking for help and then going back again and again to the character of God and the things that He spoke to me when I wasn't depressed, um, and I've as I've cycled through depression over the years, um, those things have continued to to help me to walk through that time and then come out again on the other side.
1: Well, speaking of writing things down, I hope our listeners are writing down some of these things you're saying. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. I see a book in the making right here. Michelle, one of the things you, you said among many early on was that you're a, a lifelong learner and, and also that you're adaptable. And so um, it made me think, okay, so what is it that you've learned that's caused you to adapt to become the person, the resilient person you are now? Because you're obviously not the same person you were when you first went out, uh, but it is that learning and that adapting that's enabled you to, to be who you are now.
0: Yeah, you know, one of the bigger lessons that I've learned more recently is to I'm trying to think how I want to phrase this. I've learned that emotions are not um like emotions that we might call negative like anxiety or anger. They're not something to be just immediately squashed and that they are a part of the dashboard that God has given us to, to become aware of what's going on inside us and how we're responding to things outside of us. Um, and I think, um, I wish that I'd learned this, this lesson earlier, because I think sometimes maybe I could have, um, I could have prevented a, a slide into deeper depression if I had been tending to my heart and been, been more aware of how, um, how life was affecting me and the emotions that I was experiencing um, earlier on in that cycle. Um, and so I've learned that emotions are something that I can use to fuel my friendship with God and to develop even greater intimacy with him Um, so i'm at this point i try to have a daily practice of checking in what am i what am i feeling today and then kind of if if there is an emotion that that seems really prevalent to really kind of think through hmm what's going on? What, you know, and, and looking at that and letting that be a process that I do with the father. So if I realize, oh, I'm, I'm feeling a little bit anxious today and it seems connected to this issue, then, then that fuels my conversation with God that day. Um, It, it gives me that place of, of taking things to him and um, getting perspective. But I think that You know, verses like do not be anxious about anything, I had interpreted those to mean that I need to just squash out anxiety Mm
1: -hmm.
0: instead of taking it to the father and letting that letting him help me understand what's at the root of the anxiety and and letting that be a trusting process in partnership with the father to to pray more about and, and look more at and address whatever the root of it is. And I feel like I'm so much healthier and so much more resilient now as I'm doing this process of acknowledging and not trying to just squash my emotions.
1: Mm, yeah. Is there anything else that you're, that you think back to now and think, wow, well, I wish I had known this when I first, when I was earlier or younger on the field.
0: I think I I wish that I'd known that I'm not responsible for managing other people's emotions and responses. I think I've spent a lot of time hustling, trying to like make sure everybody else around me is okay and feels good. Um, And sometimes my concern for how they're going to feel or how they'll respond has kept me from um, having difficult conversations or, Acting with integrity or authenticity when there's been conflict. And so I think I had um, some sort of mindset that conflict management was more about being nice than being authentic and about making sure the other person doesn't feel bad. And that that too has probably led to a lot of the times when I started to cycle through depression because I wasn't, I wasn't really having the hard conversations that needed to be had. Mm. I was just suppressing so that the other person didn't necessarily have to feel bad and it didn't help them grow either. And it wasn't, I felt, I thought it was loving, but it really wasn't the most loving thing for them or for myself. Michelle, you talked a lot about
1: how you've stayed for as long as you have, what's the, what's the why behind the, the, the how?
0: I think there's, there's two things. Um, one is this incredible belief that he is worth it. Um, and I would tell myself that a lot when it was really hard, he's so worth it. He's just, he's worth any, any sacrifice, the narrowness, the hardships and, I live for that vision that's at Revelation 5, 9 um, of the many tongues and many tribes and many nations around the throne of God. And I kept on thinking, someday I'm going to be standing around the throne of God and there are going to be people from these places where I've lived. And one of the places I lived um, when I first moved there had 256 language groupings in one country Um, and I would I longed to see every single one of those represented around the throne of God and um, that was a a really big motivator for me in the why but the other thing is is that I I felt this invitation to be on adventure with God and um, and for the time that I was overseas that was what being on adventure with god was it was being there in those places and and so it was about this relationship with him and being in it with him um being invited not forced or pressed you know or compelled necessarily but invited and um and you know i'm back here in the states now and it's a different it's a different kind of adventure, but I still have that, that sense of I've followed him back here. He's invited me and this is a new part of the adventure with him. Um, and so, yeah, every time that I started to feel like my, my desire, um, or, or my ability to, um, persevere was flagging God would bring in something just to remind me that he loved me being on adventure with him he loved being with me and me being with him on that adventure
1: and as you said he still does Michelle yeah I love the intimacy uh, that you have just always exuded that that nearness to God being your good you, I have seen you, my wife and I, Susan and I, have seen you come out of times, Michelle, with uh, with just so much resolve and dependency, fresh dependency upon the Lord. We just, I really commend you and honor you for pressing through some of those hardest, darkest times. And uh, and yeah, just saying, Lord, wherever you lead, I'll follow. So well done. Thanks. Uh, you you've got something to give michelle in by way of impartation uh for all of us who are listening and i would wonder if you would just close this episode of resiliency with a prayer of blessing and impartation for all of us
0: yeah i'd love to do that Mm -hmm. father you are so worth it and you are so good and I pray that you would remind each of us again today of your goodness. You would remind each of us again today that you are for us and you are with us and that you are unchanging. Your character never changes. And I pray that you would draw our eyes back to you again. I pray for um, each of my friends and people around the world who might be listening to this today, um, if they are in a place of darkness, that you would remind them of the things that you have spoken in the light and that those would be anchor points for their souls today, God. Lord, I love the verse. One thing you have spoken, two things have I heard, that you, O God, are loving and you, O God, are strong. So would you remind people today, that you are loving, and that you are strong. You're more than able to carry them through whatever they're facing, God. You're more than able, and you've got them. You've got us, God. And I pray also for a fresh wind to just feel that sense of being on adventure with you in whatever we're doing in our lives and wherever we find ourselves, God. And I pray, Lord, that we would walk in community with others and we would risk in being vulnerable and transparent, God, that we would find those um, people that we can feel safe with to risk and to trust and to share and um, to offer um. I pray, Father, that we would um, that we would rest most of all in intimacy with You, God, and let that intimacy be increasing. I pray we'd tend our hearts, tend to our emotions, and let those fuel intimacy with You. And that we would um, we would not be um, we wouldn't settle for whatever level of relationship and knowing and being known by You we're at today, but that we would want more and hunger for more and push for, push forward for more. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Amen. Thank you, Michelle.
0: Thank you, guys.
1: Well, listeners, thanks again for tuning in. That does it for this episode of Resiliency. You can follow us on Instagram at Resiliency Podcast. And so for now, I'm Silas West, and thank you for listening to Resiliency.